Your inner geek wants to come out and play. But where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club. Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hi. We've got the show's namesake, BJ Shea. With great power comes another podcast. Macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Joey D. Wait, where is it? Yum. <laughs> I ate it all. Yeah, Aww. there we go. Aww. On today's show, we will get, well, since it's comic book day, we'll talk comics with Mr. BJ Shea. Okay. We will also talk board games with Mr. BJ Shea. Hey, wait a minute. That's a lot of work. We will talk with one of my favorite game designers, Jason Anarchy, about millennial Manatees. Oh, the the drinking quest guy's back. Yes. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com, because it's going to have all our podcast blogs and more. Just BJ Geek Nation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and uh, Radio.com. And uh, not to keep the man with the best biceps in Canada waiting, we're going to get right with Jason Anarchy for Millennial Manatees. With us today is Jason Anarchy, one of my favorite game designers, making those casually fun games that really are very entertaining games, such as Drinking Quest, Haiku Warrior, so many other ones. And Jason, you've got a new one that... um, is pretty fantastic just on the name alone. Millennial Manatees. Um, what's going on and what's up with you and Sea Cows, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, so it basically, if you look at any games about millennials that are out there, um, like Millennial Monopoly was a fairly popular one. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it, was, it was a little bit tone deaf and mean, so we wanted to kind of do something different about, uh, you, know, you know, with that kind of subject matter. So we came up with Millennial Manatees, and it's like, okay, so it's going to be a, a game about millennials, but it's it's not going to be kind of easy stereotypes kind of thing. We're just going to have a really kind of weird kind of uh, <laughs> take on it. So we kind of, kind of imagine the millennial generation is kind of... Uh, you know, wide-eyed manatees kind of flopping around trying to pay off their student debt sort of thing. <laughs> and and so, eating mangrove leaves, of course. <laughs> and this is like one of the things I've noticed with this is it's uh, it's it's fun. The art is amazing, and you collaborate with a lot of uh, webcomic artists, and that's what's going on with this one as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Zach from Extra Fabulous Comics. Um, he... Uh, you might not know the comic from the name alone, but it's uh, it's got those really kind of distinct kind of four-panel kind of sketchy comics. And uh, normally he does stuff that's, you know, pretty 18-plus sense of humor. This game's 14-plus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's he's a great artist, great collaborator. I've been reading his comic for years. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure to work with him and... Uh, uh, kind of uh, kind of describe the manatees where we're trying to come up with stuff like that. And so with Millennial Manatees, and I mean, if you go to the Kickstarter page, it's super easy. Uh, just look for Millennial Manatees or go to our Facebook page because it's right up there. Uh, you'll be able to tell the art style of, uh, of Zach on that, and it's immediately recognizable. Um, one of the fun things about this, and this Kickstarter is going on until July 16th, so it's a short amount of time, so you want to make sure you get in on these because Jason is known for 
for his well-crafted fun games. This is one of those. Uh, this game, uh, while it comes uh, with all of these fun different little pieces and it's a card game, it actually, the container itself is pretty fabulous. It's a fanity pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were... Uh so, so in the game, you're, you're these manatees, you're these millennial manatees trying to pay off 20 manatee coins worth of student debt. <laughs> and uh, when we were designing it, we're like, okay, how many coins can you hold at a time? You know, what will the, the player components be that they use to keep track of that? And then a player suggested, uh, well, what if they kept them in a fanatee pack? <laughs> and, you know, uproarious laughter. And we're like, okay, whatever. Um, and so we had these tokens where you keep your coins in a, in a fanatee pack. And then... Kind of at the last minute, Zach suggested, he's like, well, what if we just put the, the whole game in an actual fanny pack and you could wear it around? And we're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's kind of amazing. So it's, um, we, uh, we, we, he bought a demo fanny pack to uh, you know, check weight and stuff and make sure it was viable. And he got this pink fanny pack that just says party on it in huge letters. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, now I can just wear this to conventions all the time. <laughs> and uh, so... We uh, yeah. So once it gets funded and the game is available for sale, we're we're kind of picturing this world where people are walking around with these fanny packs that say "Millennial Manatees." That would be a dream come true for us. <laughs> I really love it. I mean, like you stated, it's a fun way to throw it out there. It's not it's not like that weird. It's not even pandering at that point when it was like the Millennial Monopoly because it was like you don't need to get. Uh, property because you can't afford it anyway it was more insulting whereas you guys are really trying to embrace it more than make fun of it yeah yeah it's kind of celebrating the entrepreneurial uh, spirit of millennials so it's like you know there aren't a lot of jobs out there to kind of uh to get so we're kind of making our own um you know i, I know i did that myself uh you know with the, the games that i make and then uh, so it's kind of kind of celebrates that so there's different millennial type jobs um, you know, like, uh, you know, podcaster or organic <laughs> produce merchant. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. It's a little bit based in reality. Uh, you know, people aren't actually wearing, you know, huge avocado helmets selling them on the street or anything like that. Um, but it's, uh, not too far yeah, though. It, it was a, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, well, maybe in Seattle. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> maybe more of a, a West coast thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it was a lot of fun to make, and it was it was kind of a, a balance of kind of you know creating this insane fantasy world that uh, kind of has millennial as a basis, but doesn't uh, yeah rely on those same tropes kind of thing. So when you're making, except a- it does have an avo- it, there is an avocado toast. Token. Yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah. there's an avocado toast meeple in the game. I need to mention that. And it may be a little bit pandering, but we just refer to it as the toast. <laughs> Which I love too, because if you check it out on the Kickstarter, you can find it. But the player who most recently ate toast takes the avocado toast meeple. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, eat a bunch of toast and then play this game, and uh, you've already got a, a one up there. Now, I need to understand how you came across like doing Millennial Manatees. Now, is it the idea and the concept of the uh, of what you want the game to look like? Like, do the manatees come before the game mechanics or did you already have game mechanics in place and then you decided to incorporate manatees? Yeah, um, every game is always something different. Sometimes you start with like a funny idea or sometimes you start with a fun mechanic. Um, In this instance, yeah, I think it was. Uh, we originally wanted to do a Machi Koro type game. Oh, all right, uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Machi Koro. Um, and so I wanted to do something that was like a little little lighter, a little kind of quicker than that. Um, and then, 
Yeah, we added the Millennial Manatees theme. We started working with that. But then there were just so many changes and so many versions that the, uh, you know, the, the roots of that, you know, are only a little bit there. So it's it's kind of like a, like a lighter machi coral, but now it's got a little bit of a guess who in it. Um, so there's two phases in every round. Phase one, you're buying some businesses. And the second round, different customers uh, come into your business. So it'll be a different manatee with, like, uh, different features. So they might have a different hairstyle or they might be holding an expensive coffee um, or, you know, different shirt color. And then you kind of get coins based on the customers, uh, the manatee customers that are entering your businesses. Um, so, yeah, uh, like a like a light machi coro meets guess who is probably the best way I could describe it. That is pretty fantastic. And I mean, you are one of the one of the best casual. I mean, you even say it, games for the hardcore casual because the games are fun, but you can just pick them up and kind of go with them. And a lot of them are short games. Uh, I remember and I've talked about it multiple times playing a game like Haiku Warrior, which is kind of a serene game uh, when you're playing it. But it's a fun little RPG that my wife and I ended up playing in Yellowstone, so out in nature and playing it, and then of course with Drinking Quest, all of the editions of those, it gets super fun in terms of just turning it into uh, one of the most ridiculous con drinking games ever. People can find all of those at drinkingquest.com and you can find this right now on Kickstarter, just just search for Millennial Manatees and you can find it, man. I love it, I love it so much. Yeah, I have a lot of fun taking terrible ideas that are just absolutely <laughs> awful, but then executing them well. And then then it becomes funny. That's kind of my mission statement, I think. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you've put out so many games, you understand the the limitations, so you're not going crazy with it. With this Kickstarter, you can either get the game or you can get the Fancy Manatees version, which is uh, quickly running out, and then also maybe just two copies of the game as well. Pretty basic when it comes down to just putting out the game. You're not going for super insane uh, Kickstarter stretch goals or anything along those lines. You just want to get the games out there so people can play them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We wanted to keep it pretty simple, you know, get the game kind of thing. We've got a few stretch goals of things we'll be adding soon. Fun. Uh, but we just wanted to basically make the best thing we could make and then kind of, you know, have that be the focus of it. Awesome. Jason, again, thank you so much. People can get more information about this and all of the other games you have at drinkingquest.com. Good luck, buddy. All right. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and seriously, go to DrinkingQuest.com and see all of the different games they have. I mentioned Drinking Quest, I mentioned Haiku Warrior, but there's also Pretending to Grown Up. There's a bunch of fun games. These are casual, hardcore games, which means if you're a, a good gamer, uh, or I guess, yeah, the, the, the uh, serious yes. board gamer, it's these game, are it's fun. A game for everybody. Exactly, yeah. but there, it, it really does have some fun components to them, all of these games, and Millennial Manatees, I mean, come on, it comes in a fanny pack. Yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons... <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of us like to game. You know, a lot, a lot of us disenfranchised video gamers, you know, who, who you get into your 30s and 40s, you yeah. still want a game. You also want to be social. Sometimes the antisocial atmosphere, either A, you're not really talking to a whole lot of people, or B, you got a lot of crabby people and mean kids on the internet. Oh, yeah, that's you, you yeah. mute the microphones and then, yeah, yeah. So the uh, a game, <laughs> so these kind of games are fun as they really break the ice, uh, especially for like, you know, co-ed type groups. I just love that yeah. idea because that's, I love social games. And even like I mentioned in the interview, uh, uh, my wife and I, we played Haiku Warrior, which is, I mean, haikus. They deal a lot with nature. We played it in Yellowstone. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it was really fun to be able to do something like that. Because it's, it's a fun RPG serene game out in the woods hoping bears didn't eat us. Oh, my God. A bear. 
<laughs> yeah, oh, oh dear, my. a bear. Uh, speaking of other board games, BJ, what have you been playing? Well, there's a lot. Uh, the one that really is getting a lot of talk, and, and uh, a lot of my friends have got it, is Star Wars Outer Rim. It's a brand new game from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, Fantasy Flight really puts together great epic games. They're the ones responsible for Twilight Imperium and so many other games wow. uh, since then. But they are known for their epic games. This is interesting. The world of board gaming, it, it just evolves and evolves and evolves. And really, games that I played five years ago, they end up getting replaced because somebody does them a little better. Or they'll take a couple of mechanics I like in one game and another game, and next thing I know, it's like, you know what? I don't need to play those old two old games anymore. Yeah. This one new game does it. I shudder to say this because I know a lot of people like Firefly. They love the franchise. Yeah. So I don't think this will be a Firefly replacement, ironically also done by Fantasy Flight. Uh, but this Star Wars Outer Rim really does echo a lot of the old Firefly games uh, mechanics and just a you know core genre. Now, with Firefly, when we originally played it, I've only played it once, and it was, were we just playing it wrong? It's just, you know, here's the thing. It's a heavy game. Oh. Okay. You okay, have to okay. know what you're doing. Rev, we remember when we played Thunderstone, and it was one of our first games that we played. And it's not, yeah. it, it wasn't a deck builder that noobs should start out with. And it, <laughs> it really wasn't. And, it, and to the point where Thunderstone Quest has been massively improved over the Thunderstone Advance, that it's a much better and easier game to play. All right. But when you play a game and no one really knows how to play it, and it's a heavy game. And you get wrecked. Yeah, you're not going to want to play it again, which is really a disservice to the game. And I think it's, that's what happened with Firefly with us. Is it's yeah. a great game, but none of us really knew what we were doing. For those of you who don't know, Rev entered the dungeon with a lit torch and exited with no legs. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, and Rev goes, why should we need light? Yeah. Why do we need yeah. light in this game? Why yeah. don't I just fight the monsters? I'm done with this game. Yeah. I'm never playing it again. Yeah. Go home. Yes. Uh, so in Star Wars Outer Rim, you, you're going to go, this feels very much like Firefly as we we are all basically, oh. we're basically, we're, we're smugglers is what we are. It's a one to four player game and we are trying to go to the outer rim of the Star Wars galaxy and uh, okay, you know what, makes sense. we are looking for bounty hunters and mercenaries and we're also oh involved my. with factions that are fighting in, in, and we have to sort of, <laughs> we have to basically skirt around them because they want to look for smuggling scum like ourselves. Oh, um, oh dear. You get to be uh, a lot of the Star Wars characters. Uh, the game I played, I got to be Han Solo and cool. it, it was a miraculous miraculous way how this game because you'll get to recruit uh, co-pilots and other characters and they help give you attributes which will help you when you are rolling for different uh, if you will you have to you, you have uh, skill rolls that you have to make to do things which is very similar to Firefly um, I was lucky enough to get Chewbacca one of the first characters I encounter was Chewbacca <laughs> and it says you can recruit Chewbacca if you do this this or this or if you're Han Solo you just get him without even worrying about it and then all of a sudden the next ship that shows up is I can get the Millennium Falcon, which so I had the ultimate dream draw in this game that you normally wouldn't get. They'd even uh, make you um, mud wrestle Chewbacca. Didn't have to do anything. No, oh. didn't have to mud wrestle him. I know. I didn't have to rogue one him. Um, it uh, it's a really fun game. It's a pick up and deliver game, and you're trying to get fame points in the first one to ten wins. And um, it has a very it's it's a U shaped galaxy. It doesn't take up a, a crazy amount of space the way Firefly's space takes up. As a matter of fact, the game board itself 
itself is really quite thin, and the way it connects and you go back and forth uh, on this U to different planets, and there's different encounters you can have, and it's a, it's a, I, I will tell you this, it gives me the same joy that Firefly gives me, but it's a simpler, easier to understand game as you're learning it for the first time. Mm-hmm. I think they've cleaned a lot of things up so that this is, if you will, Firefly 2.0, just like, you know, Twilight Imperium 4 is definitely better than Twilight Imperium 3 because they cleaned a lot of stuff up so that you can easily get into the game without getting just messed up with all of the old school mechanics from games from 15, 10 years ago. And this is, I think, a really good game. For me, it's a Firefly replacement because I don't have as much attachment and love for the Firefly universe that other people do. I like Firefly, yeah. but I, I, not enough. Star Wars is way bigger on yeah. that list than Firefly is and for I, you. I, I, I really think, I, in my opinion, I think Star Wars Outer Rim is a better game ah. because they've cleaned a lot of stuff up. And I'm sure with expansions, it's even going to be better and we'll have more characters, more things to do. Uh, and Fantasy Flight, I'm sure they're going to have expansions for this game. <laughs> this It's worth a pickup. It's like about 55 bucks or so. Right. Uh, and uh, you can get it anywhere because Fantasy Flight you know, has games everywhere, everywhere. So you can yeah. get them anywhere you have games. It's a good game. And uh, I, I would recommend it. Nice. Now, we would be remiss on Comic Book Day if we didn't talk about comics. Oh, yeah. So, BJ, uh, well, I mean, you just talked about Star Wars. Star Wars. What about a Star Wars comic? Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Rev, because, yeah, Star Wars is fine. We, I wondered. We always wondered that the Marvel Star Wars comic takes place after Episode 4 before or Episode 5. Uh-huh, yeah. It's been beautifully done. Uh, Kieran Gillen, I do believe is his name, uh, did the last issue, which I believe was issue 67. It wrapped up the storyline where they were basically on this planet, and they were trying to basically overthrow the government on the planet that basically just ratted out the rebels and told the and told the Empire where the rebel fleet was and almost decimated the rebel fleet before we even get to episode five. Well, Kieran Gillen is wrapping up his role mm-hmm. as writer, and uh, he gave a nice little sort of editorial at the end of issue 67. And the way it ends is is that uh, Han and Luke and Leia are all together, and they go, all right, well, we just wrapped up this. What are you supposed to do? And they go, well, we're looking for new planets to colonize. And they list off a host of planets, one of them being Hoth. Oh, spoiler alert. So, <laughs> so I'm like, are we going to now basically go from 67, go watch Empire Strikes Back, and then issue 68 will be after Empire Strikes Back. That'd be side, super cool. Side note, if uh, Karen Gillen, the name sounds familiar, it's uh, he did The Wicked and the Divine. Oh, yes. wow. He did those comics, okay. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, it makes sense. He has done a beautiful job with Star Wars. He really, really has. And it makes sense, Vicky, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, Karen is a great writer. And you really need, the artwork has been great. They really look like the characters. The writing is spot on. This is, you know, you know sometimes when they take properties, they maybe don't get the A-team with some of the properties. And mm-hmm. you go, God, this book stinks. And in the, in, the, <laughs> look, in the early days of anybody, whether it be Marvel or DC, whenever they took a property that I loved and tried to make it work, I remember the old gold key Star Trek comics it was just like oh my god this is not Kirk Spock wouldn't do this you know I love that they actually get some good writing like with Kieran so it's the end of an era and I am excited to see, like, okay, because I don't know how much time we really had between episode, f- when you think of episode five and episode six, there wasn't a lot of time as they definitely could have had between episode four and five. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I mean, Han got frozen. Next thing you know, there is uh, Luke going to get Han, but... Yeah, how much uh, how much goes on in between that? But when you think about it, Luke in episode six did seem to really be a lot more accomplished than 
we remember him being in episode yeah. five. Now, do you think there's 67 issues worth of content to go between those? I didn't think there would be between episode four and five. <laughs> right? And they really did a great job, including great. Uh, this last story arc had a tie-in with some of the characters from Rogue One. Wow. And they brought them in there. And so I I, I love what they did. I hope this new writing team and drawing team does a great job with it. Uh, I'm going to give them a chance. Obviously, I have to. But <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, th- there were so many good stories that I, th- I want Disney to make movies with a new cast. I don't care if it's a new cast. Give me a new Luke. Give me a new Leia. Give me a new Han. I want to see some of these, these. stories. Yeah. That's how good they were. That's cool. Uh, and Marvel, you know, congratulations. It was great. And uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, next set. Well, speaking of Marvel, uh, you got some Spider-Mans? Well, Spidey-Man, yes. Uh, hey, big shocker. Uh, we have an epilogue to this whole hunted uh, story arc where Craven the Hunter trapped a bunch of animal-based supervillains in Central Park. Uh, that got wrapped up. Craven the Hunter dressed up as Spider-Man had his own son kill him because his son thought he was beating up Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, turns out uh, as the son's crying and, you know, me, he goes and he gets a gun off the rack of his dad's den and there's a little note and there's a note, well, if you're reading this, I must be dead. And son, even though you're a clone, you're going to take up the mantle and shocker, he goes on and puts on the Craven the Hunter outfit and so Craven oh, lives on. Oh, yeah. He's lived on and okay. some, he's been resurrected. He's lived on. I mean, Craven never dies. Yeah. You know. It um, <laughs> makes sense though. It does. Uh, uh, but we know there's this this sort of uh, sort of this creature that really wants to torment Peter and torment Spider-Man, and we're going to see that this is starting to open up the storyline of this whatever this creature is. It wants to feed off the pain of Spider-Man, and oh. and and so we are going to see where this goes. He thought, for instance, he thought for sure Mary Jane was being thrown out a window and killed. Yeah, and this is the vision he was shown, but in reality, Mary Jane just put her arm through a window and she's okay. And then you see this little caterpillar-looking creature on the windowsill, who's this demonish thing saying, oh, yeah, don't worry, buddy. She will die. But you're the one that's going to kill her. I won't kill her. You'll kill her somehow, and you'll suffer. Little itty-bitty worm twirling his mustache. (laughs) Yeah, and and so uh, this is where where we we seem to see Spidey going, is there'll be more suffering for poor Peter. Oh, of course. It never ends, man. Isn't there one issue where he gets to go to the beach with Mary Jane and there's no problems? No, No, that's boring. Yeah, we won't get to see that. (laughs) We don't need to see Spider-Man in a bikini. No, yeah, yeah, right? (laughs) Spider-kini. Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. Uh, we'll move on from that. I don't want that visual Spider for Don't worry about that. <laughs> Let's finish up the comic book chat with uh, some Rat Queens. Yeah, Rat Queens is back. Uh, as we know, of course, the, uh, the 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 creative team that put together Rat Queens, uh, Kurt Weaver, done. He said, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm retiring. He, so we had a couple of months before we got the new team of uh, Ryan Ferrier and uh, Pr- Priscilla Pertades. I hope I'm saying their names right. Uh, they did a great special called Swamp Romp, which was a really fun. Swamp Romp. Standalone uh, new venture from this new creative team. I liked it a lot. And then now we're at uh, issue number 16. I believe that's a 16. Looks like it is in my brain. Yeah, there you go. Um, and a whole new storyline. And a character from the past comes back and really is being the biggest a-hole that we've known him to be. But now he really has the ability to be a big a-hole, including like just destroying kingdoms. Whoa. Including the kingdom of where the Rat Queens hang out. Uh, Betty uh, had they had an intervention. Betty is the is the little uh, pixiest elven, elven creature who she just drinks like a fish. She's a scrappy little fighter. She 
she's cute as ever, but she's just, I mean, she's she's just a hellion. And they had had an intervention because, like, uh, Betty, you're, you're drinking a lot. Oh, dear. Uh, and, um, and Violet's left the group, and so they're kind of missing her. And she was the, you know, the beard, the, the bearded dwarven, you know, just mm-hmm. a badass. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing where this new creative team goes. It's it's really interesting when you think about, like, Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and all the creative teams that have been involved since back in the Stan and Jack days and Stan yeah. and Steve Ditko days. Um, it's interesting to see some of these new books where they've been around long enough that the creators are like, I'm going to tag out and give somebody else a shot. It seems sacrilegious, but we forget, oh, well, yeah, wait, we're used it's to this. It's always been happening yeah. like that. Well, it, you, you don't see it with Robert Kirkman. It seems like Robert Kirkman <laughs> will never leave any of his books. Um, but right? definitely yeah. with Rat Queens, this is a new beginning, and uh, I'm looking forward to see where this new creative team goes. So far, I've liked what they've done. Right on. Well, now it is time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, what do you got for us? So I feel last time I promised a meme dump and I didn't really deliver. Nope. So I'm going to give you more. Okay, right, more, more memes. All right, so telling people you're single, their reply is usually, you'll find someone or have you tried Tinder? Saying, many have tried to date me and all have failed. It's mystical, empowering, and there's a sword in the stone kind of vibe. So <laughs> I think, Joe, because you're, you're single as well, instead of saying, I'm single, say, many have tried to date me and all have failed. And I don't necessarily think that that's going to spark any more conversation. (laughs) You're going to be like, oh, okay, now we know why, and we don't need to further explore this. I feel like if you're not going to explore it more, you're not the person I want to date, so Uh, move on. You have failed as well. My favorite is the Hulk one that says, Hulk no want to smash no more. (laughs) Hulk want to catch in serious relationship. (laughs) Uh, Another meme I have is uh, Cowboys are exactly what you'd get if dwarves and elves had offspring. Cowboys. Because they're Cowboys. loud yeah. yet charming. Okay. Rough fighter, but still a ranger. Mm-hmm. Heavy drinker, but still eats their vegetables. All right. Bearded, but stylish. Mm-hmm. Thick accents with strange colloquialisms. Yeah, you almost got there, yeah. There you go. And patrols mines and ranches. All right. Yeah. They're not wrong. Interesting. They don't usually get along, but every once in a while, you, you will have an elf go for a dwarf or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Dwarves live in caves and elves live in the forest, right? So if yep. you combine the two, it's not really the forest of nature, <laughs> but it's also not really underground. It's, it's, it's a cow war, yeah. baby. <laughs> All right, guys. So when you feed a person vampire blood, uh-huh. you get a ghoul. Yes, yeah, true. Feed an animal vampire blood, you get a hellhound. Okay. Water a plant in vampire blood, you get a mandrake. So if you fill up your car with vampire blood, probably good things. Let's try it. (laughs) Coming this Halloween from sci-fi, vampire. Wow. (laughs) That was a really long way for that terrible, terrible pun. I definitely thought you were going to go with Ghost Rider. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need any more. All right. I got two more. One... you, uh, we've talked about we've seen Good Omens mm-hmm. uh, so you know a lot of actors find a particularly niche to inhabit when it comes to their roles but you really gotta hand it to David Tennant for somehow landing the abs- absurdly specific category of immortals that rebelled against their oppressive and bureaucratic people because they accidentally became too fond of the human race and also have a quasi telepathic bond with a vehicle yeah wow I, it's, it is very interesting. Yeah, he's he's not too far off uh, his Good Omens character, uh, Crowley. Not too far off the Doctor mm. is what the Doctor is. Because the Doctor basically rebelled against the Time Lords and wanted to because he liked humans and thought they should interfere. Right. Uh, and then the last one. 
So this is an Ask Reddit question. Uh-oh. What are the most interesting domino effects in history? Oh, okay, okay. So Star Trek Voyager was not well-received as previous Star Trek series. So in 1997, producers decided to add a new character and attempt to boost ratings. Actress Jerry Ryan was brought to play the Seven of Nine. Or to play Seven of Nine, Jerry frequently uh, separations from her husband, Jack Ryan, due to her acting schedule, contributed to the decision of their divorce in 1999. In 2004, Jack Ryan became the Republican nominee for the open Senate seat in Illinois. During the campaign, the proceedings from Ryan's divorce became public and contained details Ooh. of his sex life that did not make him look good. Ooh. So the scandal forced Ryan to drop out of the Senate race in, in July, leaving the GOP time to only find a uh, token of opposition to Democratic nominee Barack Obama. Obama's landslide victory in the Senate race helped launch him onto the national stage, allowing him to pull... Uh, to pull off an upset victory in the 2008 Democratic primary and win the presidential election. So the too long didn't ring it, read is uh, the lackluster writings of Star Trek Voyager helped pave the way for Obama's presidency. That is such a random, weird way to go about stuff. And then suddenly it's like, OK, wow. It's it, it is the domino effect. Like if they had not gone divorced, would have Obama been president. And it was all just because Star Trek Voyager was kind of dipping in the ratings at the very beginning, and they needed a character that, I mean, essentially spiced it up. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. Seven of Nine, for a lot of reasons. First of all, she was a very attractive mm-hmm. character, physically, and the idea that the Borg, the most dreaded enemy, exactly, yeah. was going to somehow be reassimilated back that was kind of a cool thing that made Voyager interesting again because it, the whole idea of the, this this Maquis, which was basically revolutionaries sort of being teamed up with a Federation ship when they all got lost. Yeah. So basically the ones they were hunting, they all had to be together because they were no longer in Federation space and they had to work together. Uh, and um, that wasn't enough for a lot of people. And it's just interesting to see just how something that is going on in a fictional world can mix in with, I mean, obviously scandal and such like that, but can create, again, that domino, that butterfly effect. Yeah. And Seven of Nine, Jerry Ryan's character, one of them, you know, I think one of the most beloved Star Trek characters ever. Absolutely. If you guys have any more of those domino effects, please send them our way, because I love love reading them. them. Yeah. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy. Your inner geek wants to come out and play, but where to go? Join Vernon Wells, the ultimate club where you and your fellow geeks can hang out, play games, and just nerd out 24-7. Whether you love RPGs, video games, or are just a major fan of sci-fi and geek culture, Vernon Wells has something for everyone. Let your geek flag fly at Vernon Wells. Sign up today and see for yourself. VNW.club. That's VNW.club.